Hi, I'm David. And I'm Shay. And you're listening to Board on the Air on CFCR, where we talk about board games and board game-related topics. Today on the show, we will be covering our regular what we've been playing, the news, and we're going to change it up tonight and talk about board game nights. You know, how to plan them, tips for them, some general rules. Who to bring with you. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who not to bring. Who not to bring. Yeah, yeah that's always definitely. important. We're going to be real mean today. Yes, we'll be vicious like usual. Because yeah, we're, we're mean people. Shay, what you been playing? All right, so I didn't get to play a lot last week because of my finals. Those are done now. Woohoo! Sounds like a weak excuse. Students, students know my pain. <laughs> um, but I did get to try a couple out. I played Escape is the big one. That was really cool. Uh, we es- all played it as a family. Escape, Curse of the Temple. Escape, Curse of the Temple. It's basically Temple Run, but board game is like the that's the feeling of it you know temple run where you're just you're swiping and swiping and swiping and you're like okay i gotta get through this thing that's how this game felt because you're just rolling and trying to move so the premise of this game is you have a soundtrack this game is what what five ten minutes long ten minutes long. yeah ten minutes long so you have a ten minute long soundtrack and it's playing this freaky music the whole time it's indiana jones yeah, running star through the wars temple. in the last one that we had that one got a little weird it was a little weird but Basically, you have this soundtrack and you are trying to explore the temple to find uh, places to get rid of gems or collect gems, I should say, and the exit. That's the big one. You got to find the exit. So you're rolling like crazy traveling through, but don't go too far because you have to make it back to the start point halfway through the game. Well, you have to do it about a a third of the way through through, and and then again, and then you have to get out. And it's just this really fun feeling of like, oh my God, I need to get these dice rolls so I can get through here. And you're working it. We, we ended up working in teams so that we could actually, you know, survive. Yeah, but. because some of the dice will lock so you can't yeah. roll them anymore. So you only have five dice. And if all five dice lock, you you're are done. stuck. And so then you have to get your family. You're like yelling at your family. Like, Come help me now. Yeah. <laughs> I am locked out. Yeah. You know, we, I tried it Friday night at the game night had a great time so we uh picked it up brought it home and played it saturday night and it's it's real time so everybody's rolling at the same time nobody's really paying attention to what the other person's doing so there's a little bit of honesty there but as she says you're you start out in the main room you're going to the to the rooms next door and then you're discovering rooms and you're discovering rooms by rolling two green die yeah. basically and then any ones that have uh, gems on them you have to roll x amount of either torches or keys to get rid of those and you start the game with 14 gems and it's it's chaos yeah because as soon it's- as you hear the gong <laughs> and you have to get back that's of course when you're gonna lock up if you don't get back yep. into the room you lose a die so you're down to four dice which and, is way easier to lock up. Yeah. And so then when it happens again and you lose another die, you're down to three dice. Yeah. And you find the exit and you need to roll four keys with three dice, which I found was pretty hard to do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I struggled with that one as well. But it, it, it's just chaos and fun. A it really was, good it was uh, such a blast. group game. It's, a co- it's kind of a cooperative game, It is really. a cooperative. If you, a, if you all don't get out, you don't win. You don't win. And it's just so much fun because you're like, hey, I want to play a quick 10-minute game that's just like, you could do it sober or not, you know, however you want. It just would be an absolute blast to play. Yeah, it's one of the few games that you can tell somebody, this game is 10 minutes long. And it's true. 
and it's absolutely true. It doesn't matter how much you know, like if, if even if you don't understand it, it's still 10 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, and, and really teaching it is five minutes, if that. Oh, yeah. I think I was still learning partway through. I was definitely rolling the wrong dice at some time. Well, you cheated. Yeah, a little bit. Repeatedly. But to be fair, your explanation was roll the dice and match the thing. And I thought it was matching the one you were in the room in, but it's the one you're going into. So that was confusion on my part. Well, because you don't listen. I also just finished writing a final, so I'm just saying. Not I was, my fault. I was tired. I was brain dead. <laughs> the, other it, one, the other one I played was uh, Luxar, and that was a uh, Spiel's Jard nominee last year. It's for a family game, and it was a very basic game. It didn't do anything radical. It didn't do anything really new, but it was, it was a solid game. Everything it did, it worked, but after I finished, I wasn't like, I want to play that again, right? You know, yeah. I would play it again, but there was nothing that made me say, oh, I want to get that game for my collection, right? Yeah. You know, so you're you're in a, t a pyramid and you're going around in, a, it's a race to the middle, basically. And along the way, you're collecting uh, three different types of things. I think it's uh, jar or, uh, pottery, sun, and something else, I believe it I forget what the three things were. And the the only neat thing about the game is how you moved. You had a hand of five cards, and you could only play the cards that were on the two two outside ends. And then as you played one, you picked one up, and that one you picked up went to the middle. So there was the maneuvering of how you play those cards was the cool part of the game, in my opinion. You know, and then you know, you landed on some space that lets you draw cards from the special pile, which gave you different abilities. So, good game, nothing original, but if you want a quick, basic game to teach and play, Luxar is another good option for you. Yeah, sounds like a good family game. Like, just, like, yeah, just simple. It, and you know what? You always need some of those games. They are good. We just, we have a large collection of yeah, those already. Yeah, we, we have too many of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I like that Meteor game once in a while, too, so. Yeah. Uh, the other one we played is we got the expansion for Space Base, The Emergence of Shy Pluto. Uh, Story-driven game, and then once it's done, you're going to have a bunch of new ships in your base yeah. game to play. Uh, really, really liked how the story worked. You have a, a deck of, I believe, 13 cards. We, we only played twice, so we got through about... We're on card six right now, I believe. And so... You read the card, it tells you to read something in the rule book that explains the cards that are coming in with that card. And then at the bottom it gives a, uh, you know, you have to get rid of, or you have to get to eight victory points, and then you can flip this card if you pay a victory point. The next one is put these six ships out. Once they're all picked up by rolling a, I think it was an eight or a nine, you can move to the next card. So they're all timed with the, different abilities the, the thing i really liked is the new ships they added to the game yeah uh all of them had a neat mechanism to them uh except for one card which i just couldn't figure out what that was the, the arrows one right uh not the arrow one it was the moving it from oh, a to up yeah, you, there's one all you're doing you is shifting it. stuff one down which to me isn't a dramatic thing. No, I could see it being useful because no, I think the idea behind it is to get the 12s, which are, you know, hard to get because it's hard to roll a 12. Yeah, but you're just getting the 12 down to an 11. 
Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not super helpful. It's not clear right. whether you can do it every time you roll that dice number, though, because if you can, then it's like you can kind of keep shifting them. But Yeah, but you're still only shifting in one. I, yeah. But I don't want to spoil a lot of it because you open up the box and it says, don't do anything. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can read the first seven pages of the rule book, then stop. Right? And everything's sealed and everything's like, don't open this box. Don't open these cards. Don't open this. But we played two games. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to play it again tonight because it was great. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Space Base yeah. is probably one of our, I would say, two or three top played games last year. Yeah. Just because it's really accessible. Uh, can teach it quickly. Uh, there, is there is strategy in what cards you're buying from the market. But luck in how you're rolling the dice. But the luck is mitigated by... You're not getting stuff just on your roll, but you're getting stuff on everybody else's roll. I do love this game. I think it's a really neat mechanism. I'm not very good at it because I tend to get stuck where I'm just having a blast buying the ships and trying to like get as much. I get a lot of coins, but never victory points. Yep. And that's probably my downfall to it. But it's just such a neat little game. And I know you don't like reading cards, but I was having fun reading them yesterday and they're named after like fantasy authors like there's a tolkien ship oh and every there's a, there's a scott ship i love it every ship has some pop culture reference yeah. to it you just have to take your time to read it and i just and read what it does and yeah. i don't read the name of the ships it's just kind of fun <laughs> that, that's you that's me right exactly that's how we Something play our everybody. games okay shay do you have any did you read any interesting news this week I haven't read many interesting things this week. I've read mainly math uh -huh. and computer science. Okay. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, so I you, could try and talk about it. So English, you didn't read anything for English? <laughs> no. Okay. okay, just checking. <laughs> I went into that hoping my brain remembered everything. Well, the news I read about, uh, Blood on the Clock Tower is just finishing up their uh, Kickstarter. I believe it's... That's going to be Monday of next week, I believe, somewhere in there. This game still looks so cool. It's it's a uh, take on Mafia slash or, Werewolf, uh, Werewolf is the, is one. the yeah. other one. But it's got a great production value. The boxes open up. They're velvet lined. You clip them together and the moderator walks around and he's got pieces for each person because I think there's 11 25 different roles. Yeah. It just looks so... If you're like me and you grew up playing Mafia, this game looks so fun. Yeah, I, I think if I had a group of, let's say, 10 to 15 people that mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to play a party game with, this is ideal. The problem with this game is it's 80 bucks. Yeah. Right? It's not cheap. Yeah. But they, you know, shut up and sit down love this game they it's their favorite game right now is what they said i think we should get it at the board game store and just one night have a mafia night just, or sorry have what is blood on the clock tower blood, blood on, on the clock tower clock tower night and just it would be so fun like yeah. all of us well, it'd you, be a blast you can pitch that to jeff this yes. week yes uh next piece of news is mensa mind games posted their five winners uh, this is an award they give out every year uh, for games that they call original, challenging, well-designed. And the basis of that is they're original and creative. It's a good value for the price. They're easy to comprehend and play. And their bottom line is above all fun. Uh, this year it was Architects of the West Kingdom, which you've heard me talk it's about. A good game. P 
probably one of my favorite games from last year, if not my favorite. Uh, Gizmos, another one I played last good, year, which is a lot of fun. You're drawing marbles, sort love of. Love me some marbles. Potion escape or potion explosion, and you're building this really crazy engine that you need a <laughs> you need to really pay attention to use the engine, but it's not that hard to do. Uh, Gunkamino Mono, which I've never played. I'm not real familiar, but it's area control is what I'm told. Okay. Uh, Victorian Victorian Masterminds. You're putting gears in the in the middle, like and depending on on what level, or people will stack them on each other, and then depending on who's on top, they get better stuff. And the last one was Planet, and this one I've seen. I haven't seen it in a store or anything or played, but you have this big magnetic uh, multi-sided ball. <laughs> it's basically what it is, and you're collecting little magnets of different terrain type, and you're putting them on this thing. And depending on how you populate this earth or this planet is how you get points. Looks gimmicky, but looks fun. I, I would just want it for the big magnetic planet. <laughs> you get four of them in the game. Oh. Yeah. See, that that's just cool. I, it's totally a gimmick to get you to buy the game. I don't know if I'd love the mechanic, but I do think that's really neat. It, it's, it's a neat tile-laying spin, right? It, it changes it from a cardboard... You know, yeah, just you're not a sheet building a tableau in front of you, yeah, right? So that's it's it's neat to add that 3D aspect to it. It, it I I want to try it just to see. Yeah. Uh, previous winners of Mensa are stuff like Azul, Raiders of the North Sea, Clank, Lanterns, Magic: The Gathering, and the game we have to mention every week: Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Yay! We got it in there. <laughs> uh, a couple expansions that are coming back into print for Seasons. Uh, Enchanted Kingdom and Path of Destiny. This, I've never played Seasons, but you get a whole bunch of dice and a whole bunch of tokens a la Orleans. Okay, cool. Okay. I, I have no idea what the game's about or how you play it, but it's very colorful and pretty. Oh, good. I'm in Which then. is always a plus. Yep. Uh, Sanctum's coming out or has been announced, and it's from Czech Games. And they're the guys that make code names. And oh, good. That's a good party game. Yeah. This is basically Diablo in a box. Ooh. Yeah. So you're hacking and slashing, dungeon crawl. Like it. Looks really pretty. Looks really fun. Last one I saw, a bunch of unboxings are starting to come out. Batman Gotham Chronicles. The Kickstarter is shipping to backers and they're starting to show it online. This is the one where you beat Batman, no, supposedly? No, 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 okay. no. This one you're playing as Batman. Okay, makes more sense. Makes yeah, this, way more sense. This one has, I think the base pledge was about 400 bucks. Holy. And the, the box that it comes in is probably three feet by three feet by four feet. Everybody's just trying to, first it was Gloomhaven and then it was what, Hate? Yeah. And now it's this one. That's well, that, crazy. That's the shipping box. There's six or seven boxes for the full pledge. <laughs> Including the or the T Rex that's in Batman's uh, Batcave, <laughs> it's just it's crazy miniatures. Some of them probably have no point. Yeah, but it's Batman and it looks awesome. That would be cool to like just have set up, kind of like the Lego sets, right? You just yeah. have it displayed. And that's exactly if you have the room, it'd be a great game to have. Uh, it's based on the Conan engine, streamlined, supposedly improved on the Conan engine. There was people that don't like it, Conan, but this is supposed to be. A, a solid take on it. That is the news. All right. So if you're just joining us, you're listening to Board on the Air on CFCR Radio. 
And we are moving on to our main topic of the day, which is tips for board game nights, tips for hosting board game nights, or, you know, playing at a board game night. Yeah, we host, or well, we don't host, but we go to a lot of board game nights. We bring the games to board game nights. We we have a a solid collection, and we bring games with us. Uh, So... Just something that I've seen on a lot of podcasts and are seen, listened to on podcasts, seen on YouTube, people talking about, you know, etiquette for board game nights, yeah. uh, how to plan it, how, how, to, how to have the most fun at a board game night. You know, there, there's certain thing you need at board games night. Games. Yeah. You know, that, that helps. Yeah. People. Obviously. Yeah. Tables. Sometimes. Sometimes we've used, <laughs> we've used food trays before. Yeah, we've coffee we, tables. We the one Chairs. night we did, uh, I think two coffee tables, two tr- tr- end tables. Yeah, it and, was a good mix. Yeah, but it worked, floor. right? We we've played on the floor. Uh, what about snacks and drinks? That depends. I'm hit and miss on those. I like them because I like to eat. Yep. But I definitely you have to have napkins present, and I'd prefer ones that aren't gonna get your hands really wet or really, really greasy, because that's a lot harder to get off with a napkin. So chips you can get off with a napkin. It, it's it's select snacks, yeah. right? And and if somebody says don't eat while playing the board game, listen to them. Yeah, there's there there's that etiquette as to whoever plays the board game sorta of sets the rules. Yeah. For the game, you know, whoever we've always played with or everybody's adults. Yep. Everybody's really respectful. I've never had to say, oh, please don't eat that around I, my game. I have never had any issues with people eating food around our games. Yeah. But it's, as you say, you have to be, you have to be wise of what yeah. you're serving. If you're hosting, you don't have buffalo wings and soup. No. Right? <laughs> it's, no. It's not going to work. No. Veggies works really well. And yep. chips and other like handful s- snacks are or really those good. chocolate bar things that Catherine bought the oh one time. Oh my god, the peppermint chocolate bars! Yeah, oh, so, so good. good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tables, anything works, as we just said. Yeah, you can get actual gaming tables, which is kind of on my wish list because I just love the idea of having one enough space for some of the games we have yep. and that raised ledge and stuff. There's some really neat designs. Oh yeah, like uh, to have a. A, a, a true, true gaming, table. gaming table with the the sunken playing area where you can yeah. roll dice against the side. That'd w- be amazing. That's that would be epic, right? But and that's that's not needed. You can make do with whatever needed. you have. And yeah. there's always a game that you can find to fit. And you know, if you have too wide of a game, you just put a couple together. It works great. Yeah. If you if you can have a couple end tables for like drinks and stuff on the side, that makes it better for big games. Yeah. It's that goes back to the snacks, you know, those end tables with napkins are great to have. Yeah. Right. Something that keeps the drinks and stuff off the table where you can, everybody can play, everybody can laugh and have a good time. Uh, but the fold up tables from Costco work. Oh, they're fantastic. Great. Yeah. You know, they're a three by six table and you know, the most we've ever had to do is put two of them together, but that's for a big, big well, game. I think with downforce is what we used that for, wasn't it? Uh, I swear that Jordan's grad, that's what we did. Oh, yeah. down. How about Formula D? That's it. Yeah. Formula D. Racing game, just a little bit different. That's close. <laughs> but you had like eight people around it. Yeah. yeah. But I know for Twilight Imperium, uh, yeah. Scythe, stuff like Huge that, they games. put two of them together and then just put a, a tablecloth over top yeah. or a, a game mat. Some sort of mat. Yep. Okay, so people. What do you have to know about the people that are coming to the board game night? Know what level of difficulty they can play. If you have a full group 
of very casual gamers who have played a couple games, but mainly have like stuck to Catan or card games. You want to make sure you're not bringing something like Scythe out to it. Like you, you don't want to bring a huge mechanic game to somebody who doesn't understand how to play that style. Ease them into it. You know, don't, don't be like, this is my favorite game. It takes four hours to play. Yeah. You don't want to scare people off. Yeah. We yeah. want to welcome people into the board game community. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, knowing the people that are coming is, is probably the, the biggest thing to a board game night. Yeah. You know, if you have casual gamers, as Shay says, maybe bring code names, maybe yeah. bring a party game, right? You, you can find decent party games that are really easy to teach. Even yeah. us, you know, stuff like Azul and Sagrada, yeah. those ones are pretty easy, more complex games that you can bring out and teach people. Okay, so say you have somebody coming, avid gamer, mm -hmm. alpha competitive. Yeah. Do you bring a super competitive game? I wouldn't. Like, not if they were the, if, if say it was us, right? Yep. And we had somebody who was super competitive. Yep. I probably would bring a more competitive game because we can handle that, right? Yep. We're, we, we're fine. We're used to playing games like that. But if it was like one really competitive person and a couple other kind of casual and a mix, no way. Because yeah. that would ruin the fun for the people who, you know, aren't as good at the games. Yeah, it, it doesn't make for a welcoming environment if somebody's getting really intense. Yeah. And everybody else is just having fun and laughing and giggling. and Yeah. Right? And I'd say this goes back on that, that person as well. It's like you want to try especially when you have played a lot of board games and you're teaching it to people, you got to make sure you're not egotistical. Like you're, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Right? You, you don't want to get annoyed with people when they're having trouble figuring stuff out. If you, uh, the key to being a good game host and game teacher is you're able to explain it clearly and be like, Hey, that makes sense that you don't get this. I didn't get this when I started either. Yep. You know, be a good sport. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, part of that too is, you know, I, I guess that really leads into the games you're bringing. Yeah. Right? You know, I know one thing I'm terrible for, used to be really terrible for, but the last couple of times have been a little bit more clear is not bringing 20 games. Oh my God. Every time <laughs> I'd show up to a game night that we were hosting, because I'd usually come from work or from school or somewhere, and we would have 15 to 20 games. And I'm like, we have four hours we are not playing 20 games and half of these games are not games anybody's going to want to play because we can't talk during them well part of it's the excitement of wanting to introduce people yeah. to games right you know but as i said you know i've listened to podcasts i've watched youtube and and most of them talk about you know pick four games yeah two to four games you know and talking to susan about it <laughs> as well you know she mentions you know Pick something people have played before yeah. and something new. So depending on the mood they're in that night or when they get there, because you never know what kind of day somebody's going to have, yeah. you can you can change it up. You don't have to play that new game that you're itching to get onto the table and yeah. show everybody. I also think that, I mean, this, this was something you brought up when we started deciding to pick like four games. Tell the people what you're going to bring. Yep. It really helps because then people have an idea, especially if they've played a few. They kind of know what they're looking at, right? Yep. They know what they're going into play and they can say like, okay, I think I'm going to play this game. Yeah. Our last uh, group night over at Susan's, I sent out the four games I was bringing and I think we brought one extra one yeah. just, just for uh, an alternate. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, so you're bringing the games, you have them picked out. What do you have to know? 
about those games. You should know how to play them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was going to say, this was my next point. You mentioned, you know, bringing your, the new game you can't wait to try. It's like, don't bring that to a game night that you're hosting unless you know somebody's able to teach that game. Yeah. Because it's no fun to have a group of friends. Okay, you got your snacks, you got your like drinks, you're all set to go. Okay, we have to punch all of the cardboard out and we have to learn all the rules. Okay, now we're done. Yeah, I, I try to refresh on the rules if it's a game I haven't played for a yeah. while. But I, I teach games. I, I like to teach games. And you're good at it. I, I, I could... I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not perfect, but, uh, you know, if I go into a game night and something gets sprung on me or I bring a game that I haven't played for a while, that lead into that game takes way too long yeah. and people start to lose their interest. Yeah. The one thing I noticed, like when, when you teach, sometimes we can be going through the rule book and it gets very long winded and it's like, okay, maybe we could have started playing and gotten a little into this as we need to know it. But at the same time, you don't want to like miss rules, which yeah, there, we're known to. There's certain games that you can get into and start playing and explain as cards come out and that type of stuff. But there are games that you need to explain a little bit more so people know what they're going to be doing over the round. Like, the, you know, you always start with, what's the goal of the game? Yeah. Right? How do I win the game? How do you win the game? What do you do on a turn? What do the spaces on the board do, right? Those are general things that you need everybody to know. And and as I say, there are games that you can just say, okay, you're going to be rolling dice, like escape. Escape. Roll dice, match your move, right? Even even like you can teach that game as you're going. It was really funny having Jordan yell at me how to do the game (laughs) as we're rolling to try and get around this game. It was was neat. It's a fun way to learn a game. It is a very fun way to learn a game. And, you know, a, a game like Scythe, is one that you don't explain the whole game of Scythe. No. You explain the general rules and what you're going to do on a turn, yeah. and then people pick it up. Because it's it's still an hour to 90 minutes to play the game. Yeah. So you have time to learn that game as you're playing it. Yeah. I think a neat one as well as like Dinosaur Island. Yeah. That one, I taught it by going through each section. So this game has rounds, basically. Phases. So you're like, phases. Phase one, phase two. I taught it by going through the basics of each phase. You can also teach it by saying, okay, phase one, here's what we're going to do. I like going through it because I like telling people like, this is why you should get this stuff in this phase, but you don't have to go into each in, in depth and say like each card does this thing, right? You yep. just kind of go through. And that's a neat one. I like it when they're separated into really clear segments. It's easy to teach a game like that. There's some games that are a lot easier to teach. Yeah. Definitely. There's, there's games that have a whole lot going on that are not abstract, but there's just a little bit more strategy to it. Those are the ones that are, are hard to explain what the people are going to do on their turn. Yeah. And you can get stuck in those ones too, where you can have people then kind of going, I have 20 choices and no idea what to do. Yeah. Another important thing I think with games is when you're describing the games as to what you're going to play, tell them how long the game's going to be. Yes. And include teaching time. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like I know, say Viticulture, which we've played a few times, I know it's going to be 60 to 90 minutes, but it's also going to be 20 to 25 to teach it. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a two hour game and a lot of games are two hours when you include teaching time. Absolutely. You can get a couple, like I'd say, you know, a lot of the game nights with beginner gamers, you know, you can usually say this game's probably going to take an hour, Yep. you know, including teaching time. But once you get to those bigger ones, absolutely. They're going to take two to two and a half hours if you have to teach it from the start. Yep. 
So those are some general ideas for game night. We'll, as we go on, we'll probably talk more in depth on that. I do want to talk about our Instagram poll of the week. You know, I asked our the eight followers we have <laughs> if they like uh, Altiplano or Orleans, and Orleans was an overwhelming choice of the better game. I like Orleans more than Altiplano. I, I, I like them both. I, I like the movement in Altiplano over Orleans. Mm. I, I think it's that mm. next step game, mm. right? But I like the fact that I can whip off an Orleans game in minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, thank you for listening to us on CFCR. I'm David. And I'm Shay. And we will talk to you next week.